Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. So in the, in the flow of John, uh, as we've been working our way through, we keep seeing Jesus declaring who He is. And so last week, we saw the glory of Jesus. It was the surprising glory that we saw last week. It was a little different than what people were expecting, but it was still glory, it was excitement, it was follow King Jesus. And so what we get today is the response of the people. What do the people do when Jesus declares his glory, when Jesus calls them to follow him as king? And the last thing we saw uh, last week in verse 36 was Jesus departed and hid himself from them. After he had made this stirring speech, calling them to walk in the light, to follow him into glory. And today, while we would hope to see that everybody put their faith in Jesus and followed him, that is not what happened. And so we'll see how the people responded. And as we see their response, we have to consider then what is the response that Jesus is calling for us? How are we going to respond to him? It won't do simply to sit in judgment and say, oh my goodness, how could they not respond? But instead to consider what we have in common with them and how we too might need to respond differently to Jesus. So let's read now John chapter 12, verses 37 to 50. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you for all your many blessings to us. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this word that was written down by your servant John so long ago and preserved for us today. We pray that just as it was your word for them back then, it would be your word for us today. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts, that it may not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
So this past week, uh, the past couple days, Suzanne and I took a trip to New York. And so yesterday we were, we were in fact in New York, uh, but we came back so we could be together this morning. So good to be back. Um, but when we were in New York yesterday, which was great fun, we went to the Museum of the New York Historical Society, um, which is a, a cool, it's not, a, it's not as big as say the Smithsonian Natural History or American History Museum, but it's still a cool, that's a cool museum and they've got a lot of stuff there. And one of the things that was, that was cool there is that they have a display on the presidents. All they have a picture down the hallway of all the presidents, uh, all their official portraits all lined up, and they have a replica of the Oval Office, which is, which is kind of neat. You can go and you can sit in the desk, you can sit in the chair behind the desk, and you can be in the Oval Office. If I will say if their replica is correct, which I assume it is, the Oval Office is actually much smaller than I would have expected. Maybe it's bigger than it was, but anyhow, it's the Oval Office, right? It's like this is where... This is the pinnacle of human achievement, is to be one of the people that gets to sit in that chair. We've had 45 of them, 40, right? Because it's number 46, but there were actually only 45 because Grover Cleveland was twice, right? There's 45 presidents. Anyhow, that's, that's a tangent for my history-loving wife. Oh, Suzanne, tell, anyhow, I'm wrong. There haven't been that many. <laughs> there, haven't been, there haven't been that many presidents who sit there and have all the power and all the authority. But the other thing that's fascinating being there in, our, in this museum is that it's, it's a museum. It's full of artifacts, artifacts of, of glory, of glory that is no longer present. They're old, they're dusty. They're just stuck in a museum now. It seems like such power. It seems like such power to see that to be able to do those things, and there is a sense of it, but it's not lasting. And so what we see here in John chapter 12 is that Jesus is telling the people, John is telling us, Jesus is telling them, John is telling us that the people at the time, the Jews at the time, were missing the true glory and the true power. They were looking at the wrong things. They were getting caught up and unable to see the true glory of Jesus. That's what's going on here. That's our main problem is we get caught up in the wrong glory. We get caught up in the wrong perspectives of glory and we're blocked. We have all these obstacles to belief in Jesus. And we see here several obstacles, but the main thing that we need to know here, the main thing about God that he's trying to communicate is that Jesus has revealed the true glory. That's what it says. It's glory. It's all about glory. It's glory all through here. Look at, um, look at verse 41 after he quotes from Isaiah. There it is. Isaiah said these things because he, Isaiah, saw his, Jesus's, glory and spoke of him, Jesus. Isaiah the prophet, back in the Old Testament, was speaking of the glory of Jesus. He had been given a view into the heavens to see what was coming. See, this, this quotation from Isaiah, uh, for again, I, nope, not that one. Uh, this one, the, in, in verse 37, the first one here, Lord, verse 38, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? If you look where, where John is quoting Isaiah from, this is from Isaiah chapter 53. And some of you who know your Bibles really, really well, 
may recognize that Isaiah chapter 53 is actually a very significant chapter. It's one of those chapters that sometimes people remember, like, oh, Isaiah 53. Uh, it's Isaiah 53 is where Isaiah gives the clearest prophecy of Jesus in the Old Testament, what we call the suffering servant. And he goes on this whole chapter in almost perfect detail describing who Jesus would be and how he would suffer for our sins. And so John is saying that Isaiah got this glimpse of glory, that Jesus was going to come and suffer for his people. And yet, who has believed it? Isaiah, throughout Isaiah's life, like many of the Old Testament prophets, they did not, the people did not believe him. They did not listen. They missed the glory. And so what Jesus is saying to the people here, he's saying, look, look, what Isaiah said all along, and you missed it back then, your forefathers missed it, you're still missing it today. He's saying, don't miss the glory. You're getting caught up in the wrong glory. But the true glory comes from Jesus. That's the main thing, that Jesus reveals the true glory. We don't, we don't have to figure it all out. I mean, I'm, I am all for exploration. I am all for thinking. I am all for figuring things out. But the message of Jesus and John over and over again is, it's not that complicated. Here I am. I have brought the glory of heaven down. The things that the prophets just kind of hinted at, saw glimpses of, and passed on to you. I'm here. The true glory is here. This is what he says, is what his point is in verse 44. Looking down here. I'm pointing up there. It doesn't do any good. Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Jesus has brought the true glory of the Father, the true glory of heaven, right down to earth. Come into the world as light, said whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So if Jesus reveals this true glory, what is it that we need to do? Our problem is that we get focused on the wrong glory. We get caught up in all these obstacles to belief. And here's Jesus saying, I am revealing true glory, the true light of heaven to light your path to step away from the fading glory of the things of earth. So what do we have to do? We have to trust in his light to overcome our obstacles. That's what he's saying. I've come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If Jesus reveals the true glory, we have to trust in his light because we face a lot of the same obstacles of belief that they faced. And as we look carefully at this, we see three specific obstacles that the people that were hindering the people from believing in Jesus. And these are the same obstacles that we face today. The first was that was their hardness of heart. They were blocked by the hardness of their own hearts. The second is they were blocked by the glory of people. They were looking for the glory of people rather than of Jesus. And the third is they were blocked by a fear of judgment. Hardness of heart, glory of people, fear of judgment. But all of these obstacles can be overcome stepping into the light of Jesus. So first, let's see their hardness of heart. So this is right back at the beginning. Uh, verse, verse 37, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. We often think that, you know, oh, if God would just make himself clear, if he would just show up in a big way, then I could believe and all my friends could believe too. Everybody would believe in him. And yet when we read the accounts of the gospels, 
we cannot help but realize that, that mere signs do not in and of themselves overcome the hardness of the heart. Where's the hardness of the heart coming from? Here it is. He's blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. Lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. What happens when the hardness of heart is overcome? There is healing. There is repentance. There is belief. But our hearts are so hard. And so we need, so, so that is the fundamental problem is they had hardened their hearts against Jesus. They could not accept the signs. So why? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. Why were their hearts so hard? Because we don't want to be like that, right? We don't want to have hard hearts like that. And, you know, the Bible, in, its, in all of its beautiful simplicity, uh, complexity, perhaps, in all of its invitation to wonder and think, does not always answer these questions precisely and directly. Instead, it just says, it invites us to try to see what is going on there. What might we have in common with them? It seems like they were just, they, they were unwilling to believe something so fantastic. They were so caught in their own ideas of what things should be, in their own ideas of law, in their own expectations of who the Messiah should be. So why they keep asking Jesus these questions. But, 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 but what about this? But, but I thought the Messiah was going to do this, or I thought you were going to be like this. And are you really the Messiah? And they keep asking it instead of receiving the truth of Jesus. What do we need to do? We simply need to step into the light to let his light overcome the hardness of our hearts. And the truth here is, when we see this, you know, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts. This is not something we can, always, we can overcome just on our own. This is something we need God to do and change within us. We need God to change the hardness of our hearts. So when we find ourselves saying, man, I'm having trouble believing. It's not usually the case that we just need to figure things out more or that we need to do a few more things right. It's the case that we need to fall on our knees and say, God, help me. God, I just, I don't believe, I, I want to, but it just seems too incredible. Or maybe it seems too hard, or it just doesn't seem like it's gonna work. I don't really have any other answers. Lord, will you overcome my hard heart and make me to believe. So that's the first thing, that stepping into the light overcomes the hardness of our hearts. We step into the light of Jesus and let him fill us with his presence. It's one of the reasons we come to worship, even when we don't feel like it. What happens here, we meet Jesus, and he softens our hearts. He draws us towards himself. But this one, this one gets us. The second obstacle that they face, that many of us face, is the, 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 the temptation of seeking glory from people. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Many people believed in Jesus, they wanted to, but they couldn't say it. And when they didn't say it, then that belief withered away. Why? Because they were afraid of people. And it is so easy for us to get caught up in the glory of man. I said, I, I, have, I have a mystery bag now. You know what's in this mystery bag? It's not as good as last week, sorry. No, no jello. Last week, those of you who weren't here last week, I, I squeezed a bunch of jello and made a mess up here. It was great fun. But what I have in the mystery bag this week, oops, eh, 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 I have a trophy. 
Look at this trophy. This is a swimming trophy. That's my son Zach's trophy. It's a nice little trophy, right? But, you know, we love, we work hard on our sports teams or in other things to get these accomplishments. He has this trophy from swimming. I have a bunch of these trophies at home. I have even some trophies. This, this trophy was really just for being on the swim team, if I'm being honest. But, you know, I have, I have trophies and medals at home of actually winning things that I worked really, really hard at that were a really big deal and I put a lot of time and effort into. You know where those medals are now? They're in a box in the attic. That's where they are. Not, nothing to see. You know what's the deal with this trophy? This trophy's kind of broken. It's kind of falling apart. And this is what happens to our human glory. We work so hard to get accomplishments, to get recognized by people. And Jesus is saying, look, why? Why would you put so much effort into human glory in instead of the glory of God? Here's the thing. He's not saying that our desire for glory is wrong. It is good and right that we want to be recognized, that we want trophies, that we want to succeed. But where should we get that recognition? We should get it from God. And we have to do that God's way not seeking the opinion of what people think. Now, for, for, you, for those of you who are adults, maybe you're looking at the trophy like, I don't really care about those trophies anymore. Maybe when I was a kid, but no longer. But we still care. We probably care even more about human opinion as adults. And we care about the human status symbols, about whether people recognize us, whether they give us particular titles, whether they give us particular, we have, we have our, our, our signs of wealth, our signs of success, the, all the things that we have in this world, the, the ways we dress, the cars we drive, the places we live, all is a sign of, of status that people will see and know that we have done something right. And yet sometimes to get those things, we're sacrificing the glory of God. We're sacrificing the, the opportunity to sacrifice and serve and love. And Jesus is saying, look, it is not better to follow the people. The people are a fading glory. It will not last. But that can keep us from putting our faith in Jesus. So we need his light. We need the light of Jesus to overcome, to look at us accurate, to, to make us see accurately, to see that Jesus really loves us, to see that Jesus is the one who matters more than anything else. We have to let go of the glory of people and let Jesus' light and his glory overwhelm that. Then here's the last one, the third obstacle, the fear of judgment. You got to read this carefully because it's easy to read it wrong. Here it is. In verse, this is verse 47. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. And, and we got to read that carefully because that's not necessarily what we would expect, right? We expect that if you hear Jesus' words and do not keep them, you will be judged, right? But that's not what it says. Jesus says, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, he does say that there will be judgment. He just says that's not his purpose. He goes on to say, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He says, the word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. 
How, what, what's he saying? Jesus is saying, look, I am not coming as this vindictive judge. If you don't listen to me, it's not like I'm out to get you because I'm offended by you. But the words that Jesus has spoken are just, they're true words. It's like trying to argue with the law of gravity. You can say that you don't accept the law of gravity, but if you jump off the building, the law of gravity is going to exert judgment upon you. That's what Jesus is saying. His words will judge. His words are true. We, we are obligated to follow them. But that's not what he is about as a person. He did not come to judge. He came to save. Why does this matter? This matters for us because one of the obstacles to our belief in Jesus is this fear of judgment. Now, you would think that the fear of judgment should motivate us to believe and to do the right thing, and sometimes it does. That's all well and good. But sometimes it's just so paralyzing. We say, I've done so much wrong. How could I ever come back? How could I ever be a Christian? Because I've done so much wrong. How could Jesus ever love me? Because I've done so much wrong. And we are so aware of what we have done wrong that we cannot believe in Jesus. And so we say instead, I'm going to believe in something else, something that doesn't tell me that I've done things wrong, because Jesus is saying that I've done some things wrong, and that's too much for me. And so the message here from Jesus, I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. He says, look, I know who you are. I know your hard-hearted selves. I know that you love the glory of men. And yes, those things are wrong. And if you persist in them, like the law of gravity, it is not going to work. That human glory will fade and, and you will face punishment and death at the last day. But that's not what I came for. That's not what it has to be. I came to save the world. This is the whole point of the quotation from Isaiah. It's from the servant song from Isaiah 53, like I said before, that Jesus sacrificed himself for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. Or maybe it goes the other way around. But anyhow, he was wounded. He was pierced so that we wouldn't be. We are afraid of the judgment of God. And when Jesus says that I did not come to judge, he's saying, look, I didn't come to judge. I came to take that judgment on myself. Yes, there is judgment, but I have taken it on myself. And that is how I am saving the world because I have taken the judgment on myself. So even when we don't, even when our hearts feel hard, even when we love the glory of man more than the glory of God, even when we are afraid of the judgment, Jesus stands and says, come to me and be saved. Step into my light. Yes, you will have to admit your sin. Yes, you will know that you have done wrong. But I am not out to get you. I'm out to save you. For I took the judgment upon myself. And what does that do for us? Verse 50, I know that this commandment is eternal life. As we step into Jesus' light, as we accept the true glory that he has revealed from the Father, and let him overcome our obstacles, and we come before him humbly and say, Jesus, I got nothing, but I know you love me, and I want to live with you forever, and I want that eternal life to start now. Your way is good. I'm going to trust your light. He says, here I am. I take the judgment on myself. I offer salvation to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave it to us. Jesus, we thank you that you came to take judgment on yourself.
that you did not come to judge, but to save. That we would not face the ultimate judgment of God, but could find salvation in you. Would you help us to embrace that and understand that more and more each day this week? Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.